Mm. When she said, would I lie to you, the thing that's going through my head was which was the truth. <laughs> I know her too well for that. I know her too well for that. Well, yes, we all have had lunch and we're all full and we're all tired, but we're all excited because we've got this final bit of our adventure that's coming up. So we've talked so much already and you've got to know so much of the Activate team. I know some of you have heard nothing about Activate before and some of you heard lots. Later on, we'll be showing you a video of the advert for the um, Activate Weekend Away. And I know you'll really enjoy that. So if you enjoy today, you will love the Activate Weekend Away. There'll be loads of people here who have been many times before who can tell you that they've been inspired and encouraged to come along to that. So we'll play the advert for you later. And if you're interested, come and speak to me or Sarah or somebody and chat about that. So we've already heard lots of people's stories already, and they've told you about how they've come to faith or that they've been helping people lead people to faith. So I thought for the people that don't know you, to don't know me, and I don't know you, maybe I'd tell you a little bit about my story and about how a change that happened in my life that turned me from someone who went to church, loved God, loved people, but to someone whose heart broke for the lost. So this is my really quick story in about five minutes. The first thing was... I was a mum with four children, um, we'd just adopted the two boys and I was sat in church and my husband was talking about the importance of heaven and hell and he told me how great heaven was going to be and he told me how um, hell was a place away from God, a place um, separated from God's love and there was just something in me that said if this is true, if this is actually true, if what I believe is actually true, my brother, who I love with all my heart, is not going to heaven. And something snapped in me, and it made me realize that I've been living a life of saying the Christian stuff, but not living the Christian stuff. So from that, my daughter was started school. I decided to do the most scariest thing that's ever happened in my life. I decided to walk into the school playground and stand by a person I don't know every single day when they're at school. Just keep standing by different people. From that, I started having coffees with these people I got to know in the school playground. From having the coffees, we decided that actually having six days of coffee with two different people ended up being too much on my pocket and probably on my health. So I started doing groups of people for coffee. And then from the groups of people for coffee, we started having Open House Tuesday, which is when we had up to 50 people come to my house for lunch. And sometimes there was five and sometimes there was 50. Try organise that. So it's soup, just soup, because then you can freeze soup. Soup everything, soup everything. It's cheap, it's easy, soup. So from that, we had these groups that came to my house. Um, but it was the mums, and I wanted to reach the children. My mum told me the most amazing thing, which is very much like someone has already said today, but I can't remember, Jazz, it was bring people along with you. I said, how do I reach my community? She's like, whatever you're doing, bring someone with you. So that's what I did. Started a group called Connect Live. We'd go to the cinema, we'd take it over. We'd have up to 100 to 150 people. We went to the theatre, we took it over. We went to the tennis clubs, we took it over. And all these people were bringing people I didn't know to the event I was organising, which was really coffees in my house, but just grew. So this is what we started. From this, I thought to myself, this is really good. We did um, weekends away, we did um, um, activity centres. But you know what? We talked before about rhythm of your life. That was the rhythm of my life at that time. But things change. That's not my world anymore. It's just not my world. Now I do um, maybe three, four events a year in my house. That's it, you know, wine and uh, cocktails at Christmas or barbecue in the summer. 
three or four activities a year, and then I do two walks with people every morning at six o'clock. So every single week, I've committed at six o'clock to go for a one-hour walk with somebody in that group of one of the parents or whatever. So I'm no longer doing the big groups anymore. Now I'm doing back to the coffees. Now I'm back to the one-to-one. But you should not say, well, that was a success and this is not success. They are both successes, but going in the rhythm of my life at that time. Since my husband was ill, which I, we alluded to before, my husband was very ill a few months ago. Since then, again, I've had to reevaluate and cut back and change how I've done life again. But always with your eyes looking out to reach people. If that's one, if that's two, or if that's a hundred, that's what really matters. So that's a little bit about my story and a little bit about like, where I am. But I want to talk to you about a story. And this story is about, I alluded to it a bit before, this story is about a man who had a very, very bad day. It's also about two men who have stories that they can tell at the end of this day. And there is one man who had an adventure that made a real difference. And this is the story of the Good Samaritan. In the parable, we hear about a man who was attacked and that was left for dead. We hear about a priest who had a story because he could say, I walked past. He'd already spent one year preparing himself, getting himself ready to go to the temple. He thought he was doing what he thought was right. He was keeping himself clean, staying away from the person who was unclean. He had a story to tell about how he kept himself right. We also hear about a temple worker who also passed by. But he'd been grown up knowing that Jews, um, the, the Jew or someone who was on the road who was hurt was not a good person. And he knew that was unclean. He also could go home and say, have you seen it over there, how bad it was? He walked past that car crash, and he could say that he's got himself safe, there was bandits in the hill, and he managed to go away, and he didn't get hurt, and he's got a story to tell. But the Good Samaritan, he walked past, and he saw with compassion, and he has an adventure. And I think we can learn three very simple things about this Good Samaritan and what he did. And when we talk about those, and then we're going to have some panel time later. So the first thing we learn about the Good Samaritan is this, he saw. It says in the Bible, he saw and looked at compassion. The fact is, this Good Samaritan would have grown up the whole of his life hearing stories about how awful the Jews were. He would have heard stories about how he needs to stay away from them because they would um, hurt them or not be nice to them. These are stories he heard. In Psychology Today, there was an article called The Cognitive Biased. And that said that in our life, we all have filters. And these filters are brought up from when we were a child. It's based on our um, past beliefs. It's, it's um, based on our memories. It's, past, it's also based on our um, experiences and our judgments. So we have all these little filters in life. So when we see something, we don't see with a clear eye. We, we actually see to strengthen our own views and to um, make sure that what we already know is enforced. So when we look at a situation, we don't look and go totally neutral. Every time we look at a situation, we're looking at it with these different filters in place. But this man who walked past, this Good Samaritan, he, even though he had all these filters, what he thought he should do, he saw with compassion. And I thought, in our world today, how many people are we looking by? How many people are we not seeing because we're not looking with that compassion? We need to be like that Good Samaritan and see people. Not what we think we see, not what we presume they've seen, not what we think they're like, but actually see the people in them. Now, we've had some good honesty stories here today. We've been very open and honest. The last weekend away was called authentic, so can I be a bit authentic but no judgy? Is that okay? No judging? No judging, okay. Right, I had a bit of a problem about a year or so ago. My problem was I'd be driving somewhere 
And don't look at me and shake your head like no one's ever done it, okay? And as I walked past the window, drove past on the street, I'd go, flipping heck, have you seen those shoes? I won't wear that. Not school. I've got to pick the kids up. I shouldn't pick the kids up. Those schools like that. Or I'd say, oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing that like that today. Or who are they with? Or they look a different couple. Oh, tattoos. I'm not sure about tattoos. What do you think about tattoos? Or not on the neck. I'm not sure about tattoos on the neck. And I was catching myself doing this. Now, I knew it was out of character. I knew God didn't want me to do it. And I knew it was wrong. I had all those things in place, but I still flipping did it. And I couldn't stop doing it. And I tried over a few weeks to say, Rhiannon, you know it's wrong. God is convicting you. Stop judging them. And I couldn't help it. It still happened. It would sneak up on me. I'd be driving like, ah, did it again. Now, this is what I thought. I can't say God told me, but just something came to my head. And I just thought to myself this. See them as God sees them. If, so this is what I started doing, which my kids hate. And now I do it to them. And they really hate it. I did this. Every time something went through my head, I said... God loves you, and if you were the only person on this world, he would have died for you. Now, you try and judge someone when that is their remit. That's who they are. That's how valued they are. You can't do it, because you see through God's eyes to that person. And it changed. I can't say it was overnight, but it was a habit that I learned to change. Now, my children say it to each other and to me, like a bit of a mantra if everyone says anything. You would have died on the cross for you if you're the only person on the earth. So I think that's where. So if we're going to impact our communities, and if we want to see real change, and if we want to stand strong, we need to see the other. Not what people like us, but people different to us. Because if we really see like God sees, our heart would break for our community. The second thing I think we can um, learn from the Good Samaritan is not only did he see when he walked past, he could have saw, had compassion, and walked past. But he didn't. He saw had compassion, knelt down, tended his wounds, and poured ointment on him. He connected. He connected in a way that no one else had connected to that person. Two people had walked past and saw, but not really saw, but he saw and connected. And if we want to impact our community, we have to connect to our community in a better, more realistic way. We can no longer say, the doors are here, come in. We need to bend down, get our boxes of, of stuff we've learned from things like Activate, and we need to bend down, and we need to care for people in a real way, real way. Look what's happening in our community and connect with them. In our um, two examples of good examples, the church have done this, two really good examples. I went to the royal wedding. Okay, I wasn't a guest. I didn't get a special bag, and I didn't sell it on eBay, but I went to the wedding. And when I went to the wedding, me and my mum were on this very hot train with loads of people. And I, I reckon there's about 50% media, 50% people everywhere we went. There was media from all over the world. And we're on the train, we came off and it was hot and it was sweaty and everyone's a little bit annoyed because it's a bit, you know, uncomfortable. And we saw this group of smiley people as we came off the train with a tract. And if you're on our Facebook page, you would have seen this. And it was a tract that says... This is your invitation to the greatest event ever. And inside was a really well put together um, invite to getting to know Christ better with some ideas like Alpha and things that you're connected to. Now, I thought to myself, those people have been taken out of their homes, a lot of them. They've had to move a lot in their church. They've had to move a lot of their time. A lot of people get a bit annoyed or frustrated. But this church saw what was happening in the community went straight for it, went with all the momentum that was already happening, 
and reached all these people. And everyone who was coming off this train was getting this track to the best invitation ever. And I thought, gosh, that is a really good example of a church seeing what's happening around them and then acting and reacting. Another thing that happened that was really positive, as in what the church has done, was you might know something hit our um, area really hard recently. So in 2017, there was the Manchester bombings. Now, in our area, that was a massive impact because the girl at the end of my road who went to the college died, and she was 17. The youngest girl to die at the Manchester um, Arena, which is Safi, aged eight, she died, and she was my local fish and chip shop's daughter. So it hit our community massively. What brought that home to me as a personal thing was my daughter was meant to go. She'd bought tickets. She'd gone with 10 of her friends. She'd bought tickets to go. She was very excited and then found out she had an RE exam the day after. And so she cancelled it and she sold a ticket. We saw on the news that the bombings were going on. We, we, we saw the um, mess. We saw, heard... Um, bad reports of how many were dead and how awful it was. We could not get uh, through to these other 10 friends of Mika's. They were all doing their GCSEs at the time and we could not get through to any of them. It was two hours from hearing about the bombings to finding out they were okay and they were in a hotel. My daughter was in pieces because she's like, that could have been me. What if my friends died and I sold them the ticket and it'd be my fault? This brought home a pain to our family and to our area that has never happened in my knowledge before. Now, this group of 10 girls come to my house for breakfast before exams. They're crazy. They turn up any time between 7 and 8 until about 9, and they go through all their exam work. They have, like, little rhymes they do to learn certain, like, you know, maths equations. It's so geeky. I'm like, how can she be my daughter? And there's no geek in my family, but she's a geek. So she's there learning these rhymes, and they come... That morning, they still turned up like they always did, and it was silence at my breakfast table. And I said, honey, honey, don't worry. God's protected you. God's kept you safe. And she said, why would God keep me safe and not my friend? What about the eight-year-old? And I had to sit there and go, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Because as, as Christians, we feel like we have to have all the answers, and we have to tick the boxes and make it look pretty to give to people in our community. But actually, it's not always pretty. Sometimes it's messy, and it's, it's difficult it was hard for these group of girls to go to school that day, and they cried through most of their exams, and it was very difficult. But this is the great thing. Do you know what the church did? The church heard on social media, people putting on, on social media things like, we don't know what to do, how do we grieve when it wasn't our situation, a grieving situation. The local church pulled all the churches in from all the different places, everyone of any faith, and all the emergency services, and everyone who went down to help, and they had a massive, big church celebration in the park. About 3,000 people turned up at our local park who would never set foot in a church, who would never want to hear about God. And they sat and stood in silence for nearly an hour as church leaders talked about grace and forgiveness and God's timing and, and how we can do something in the community. That is a great example of the church getting down something different and connecting. And I think if we want to stand strong in the community, we have to do that. We have to connect a level. What's happening right now in your community that is breaking the hearts of your friends and family? What's happening right now that they are celebrating, like Jazz said before, every chance for a celebration. We love celebrations in our house. We do celebrations big. Because you can invite anyone to a celebration, and they all want to come. What's happening that you can do that in your community? So not only do we learn that, we also learn that he committed. 
Jazz has already said it before in her talk about how she's committed for, I think it was 10, 15 years to this family. It says that he set him on his own horse, brought him to the inn to take care of him. And he gave him enough money, for two, well, enough money, which is about two days' wages, to look after him. But then he says this, he said, when I come back, when I come back, I will repay you. How many people do we give a little bit to, but we don't go back? How many people do we invest a little bit to, but we don't see fruit, and we just leave them, and we don't go back? I think if we, have, if we want to stand strong in community, we have to be committed to a new level. Just as I said to you before about, this, about my story and about where I came from. So I had this about 150-odd people that were this group of Connect Live people. If I said to them, come to church, they would come. Whatever I did, they would come. Now, I fully believed wholeheartedly and prayed and fasted that every single one of those mums would come to know Christ. No doubt. I loved them like my sisters and my brothers, and I wanted to spend eternity with them because they were fun, and I liked them, and I loved them. And I didn't see fruit. Didn't see fruit. They'd come to everything. They'd hear everything. And I, I thought, oh, so despondent. I remember standing in a meeting like this saying about how disappointed I was that God was not coming through to them, that they were not getting saved, and I could not see fruit. We know the stories that fruit is there, and but I wanted to see it. I wanted to live in it. I wanted to experience it for myself. Now, I think in short term, McDonald's, quick, get it. God speaks in linear. He speaks in generations. He speaks over time. He speaks over generations. Those children who were little babies, toddlers, now are in college with my girls. There is a bus of children that go from my local town, of those children who go to the youth group every night. Those people have become, the children have become Christians. They all go to youth, and now the parents are slowly and surely becoming Christians. And I've just started a group called Life Lounge, which is the mums where we meet once every other week and just share faith and life. Half are Christian, half aren't. We've got a couple of um, people who'd say they have no faith whatsoever, but they're on a journey working towards God. So I saw it as success to me was those parents becoming Christians. And God's there going, oh, honey... I want them to become Christians, I want their children to become Christians, and I want to see a generation change because of them. And that's what I'm starting to see now. So if we want to stand strong in the community, oh my word, look at that, that's how many people are in my garden, look, that's a lot, isn't it? You know, if we want to stand strong in the community, we have to get 100% committed to people. I think to myself this, what if I didn't see, what if I hadn't connected and what if I hadn't committed to long term? There is people in your life now who need a 10-year investment from you. And you've just, skimmed, you've just walked past and seen, but not connected and not committed. I'm just praying today, you will start to see people in your circle where God's placed you, because he's placed you there for a reason. However difficult, however great, you are placed where you are placed. Nothing in this life happens by accident. God has got an ordained time and place for you. You are where you are, and the people that come into your connections are people that God wants you to speak to. So I want to say to you today, see as God sees people. Connect to people on a new level. Get down, heal those wounds, be with them, and stay committed to them, because... We don't know how long it took that man to get better. We do not know what commitment that took, and we don't know how many, much commitment you've got to give to the people in your community. But I know, because you're here, you want to start that adventure or continue that adventure. So that's what I want to say. That's it.